0: this edition of Maine, The Way Life Could Be, a series in which we look at challenges and opportunities facing Maine in the lifetimes of people who are alive today. I'm Jim Campbell.
1: And I'm Amy Brown. And this is the Affordable Housing Edition.
0: Way back in January, when we began trying to gather ideas for topics to cover in the series, we invited people to call in on a Zoom call and to tell us what they thought were important topics for us to look at. One of those, right from the very first on that Zoom call, was a person pointing out that affordable housing is a real issue.
2: Let's take a listen. My name is Lane Sturdivant, and I live in Warren in the Midcoast. I'm a young person who came to Maine for college and I I managed to stick around, but I have a lot of peers um, who have left Maine over the years for different reasons, um, often to uh, go to grad school or pursue a career that they can't find in Maine or a higher paying job that they can't find in Maine. But one of the pressures that people are facing in Maine in particular is affordable housing. And some people are, I think, leaving Maine. Or being pushed out of Maine because of that, especially young families. I think it's incredibly hard and increasingly hard to find rental units to accommodate families these days. I live in the Mid Coast and we're just seeing such a crisis here of uh, a shortage of long term rentals. So every rental is an Airbnb. <laughs> um, and during the pandemic, it kind of got worse because. A lot of houses went for sale and were bought by families, which is great. But those are families moving into the area and the houses might have been rentals beforehand. So the landlord decided to sell to make money because of the pandemic um, housing prices and then kicked the tenants out for this, these new folks who could afford to purchase a home, you know, pay the mortgage and outcompete the other um, bidders. And so then um, the lower income tenants are being pushed out of the communities. You know, I live in Warren in part because I'm finding it hard to find rentals, you know, I probably would desire to live in Rockland, but it's not affordable anymore, even though it was maybe five years ago. So I think it's a huge um, issue and I think it's going to impact us in the long term if we don't address it, because I think young people aren't going to stick around in Maine if they can't find affordable housing, especially young people who do jobs like nursing or home care. And so as we have an increasingly elderly population, if there isn't enough housing for the workforce to take care of people as they age, it's going to become a crisis in Maine, not just of housing, but of home care, which is already a crisis um, and other forms of health care and care for people who are aging. And I think that it's especially acute on the coast. You know, a lot of folks want to retire to these uh, nice coastal communities. And I get it. I love living in the mid coast, but it's also sometimes pushing working people out. um, If someone who's retiring and they have the benefit of maybe having had a long career um, and had money to save up whereas young people maybe are coming in with student debt um, and they're renters and they just can't find things. So I think that the housing crisis in Maine is an incredible issue. And I am curious to see how the state confronts it in the next few years. I know there's some policy discussion about sort of superseding local ordinances to make it easier to have like above garage, uh, you know, rental units. Um, I wanted to do that with my aunt. We wanted to buy a house together and I would live above like the garage or the barn and we would convert it. Um but we found that a lot of towns wouldn't have allowed us to do that because of different ordinances. You have to have so many acres or you know whatever. Um, so that sort of um put a wrench in our plans in that way. Um, so I'm excited to see some of these kind of maybe multifamily or multi-generational options. Um, But I think that more needs to be done systemically than just that. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how Maine addresses it. But I think housing is a huge issue in Maine right now.
1: So that was recorded back in January when we invited people to join us here on the inaugural edition of Maine, The Way Life Could Be, and let us know what they think some of the biggest issues are that will be facing Mainers who are alive today in our lifetime. She is by no means alone And recognizing this as quite an issue here in Maine.
0: Over the course of the programs thus far, we've spoken to a lot of different people about a lot of different topics, but one that keeps poking its head up is affordable housing, and that's going to be the focus of our program today. We spoke with several city planners and town managers and heard the same kind of concerns from them, one that has been amplified during the COVID times as more people from other places bought property in Maine, often offering a lot more than local people could for that property. Jim
1: Fisher is the town manager for Deer Isle and former senior planner with the Hancock County Planning Commission. Kathleen Billings is the town manager for Stonington, Maine, and Ann Krieg is a planning officer in Bangor.
0: And we'll begin with Anne.
3: My prediction is that we will see climate migration, people coming from other states where, you know, water resources are scarce, you know, whatever reason from climate change that brings them north. I do think we're going to see that over the next decade. You know, anecdotally we, you know, a lot of new people that are moving to Bangor are coming from those very states. So you know, we're probably going to see more of that. I mean, for Bangor, our, our housing issues are, you know, quantity and as well as quality. We're looking at definitely affordable rents as an issue. I think they're still compared to the coast and uh, that that our, you know, house sales are definitely lower than coastal communities, but they're going up every day. I mean, literally every day we have houses that come on the market, anything that comes on the market for less than 200,000 is gone in hours. So nothing stays able to be rented or sold very long. So I, I, I think, you know, for us, our housing crisis that we're going through right now is, you know, it's just that affordability. And we also have, you know, a homelessness issue as well that we're working on to try to, you know, that really came out from the pandemic, that really kind of came to light, you know, not having places to go during the day, having to create more beds at night to separate people that really brought the homelessness issue to light in in Bangor. So that's why it's a a top priority um, for the city right now.
4: I'd have to say that I'm really concerned and You know, also too, I mean, there is probably I hear more than maybe other people because a lot of the retail businesses are down in Stonington on this end of the island. So with the various restaurants, grocery stores, you know, shipyard and stuff like that, I mean, you know, I hear more of, geez, you know, I'm looking for workers and stuff like that. It's that that same uh, thing is being said. It's like, well, I can't afford, you know, find any rents or houses. And, you know, Ann is right. I mean, the, the houses here in the coastal communities are going for huge money, way more than the average family can even possibly. So that challenge for these people that we desperately need to keep our coastal towns vital, whether it's people in the trades, the plumbers, the electricians and uh, teachers, healthcare workers and stuff. I mean, it's a huge issue, and also, too, we have a lot of people that's retiring, and we don't have enough young people to replace these people in it, so I've suffered it myself trying to find people to plow snow that's got the proper licenses and, you know, the number of people that we need. Um, I can't find replacements in my own office for various occupations, so... I know firsthand just how bad it is, and I don't know. We're, you know, certainly trying to tackle the affordable housing. We're setting up a, a task force for looking at the short term Airbnb issue. I mean, that's been huge down here. I get the complexities of it and stuff, but, you know, I'm hoping to have a balanced uh, stakeholder group and have them make some recommendations to our select board. What is it that they think they want to see or what they don't want to see and uh, see what we can tackle from there? Because, uh, you know, when you look at Stonington and you look at it in the wintertime, the saddest part of it is most all of the houses, the water is shut off and they're all closed up. So when you say well you know housing stock and all the rest of it we got plenty of housing stock but it's just not affordable for the people
5: who work here
4: there isn't even a school bus that stops downtown hardly now lets off kids anymore
5: this is a problem that's been around a while i think covid's actually made it more difficult because it accelerated the number of people who were fleeing from epicenters and bought houses now they're here some of them may go back but it happened faster than I expected. and But I know even 15 years ago, we were looking at the problem of healthcare providers, the uh, nurses, certified nursing assistants and other med techs, not being able to live near medical centers because cost of living tends to be pretty high near medical centers. And so it was. it's always been this, how do you build affordable housing in unaffordable places? And uh, I I don't have a good example in my pocket.
4: I participated in... Maine Municipal, they had a uh, webinar about the the housing um, things and some of the programs that, uh, you know, are out there. But the only frustration that I see out of it is, is you know, one of the slides said that there was 25,000 people waiting for housing, you know, and then my mind is, I look at, well, geez, okay, there's 25,000, you know, who are they, you know, what skill levels and stuff like that do you have? But the only thing is with the people who are struggling here and with the federal monies, I mean, whoever's on the wait list first gets, to, gets the housing. But how does that help me keep people who are already employed here and getting priced out of the market, you know, kept here? And a lot of them are, you know, families and, you know, they've been around here. This is our heritage and stuff. And we're finding it tougher and tougher to stay here with some of those federal guidelines i mean i certainly understand them you know discrimination and everything else but it doesn't help that i say keep people here who want to stay here and invest it and keep a good community going
5: uh we're receiving what i would call climate refugees and covid refugees people with with substantial resources are buying up properties in our island and they're planning to live here But broadband is a major constraint to their plans. They're still working, and they're working remotely, but they don't have fast enough internet. And uh, so regionally, we're trying to bring in fiber optic speeds of internet so that people can do that and so that we can diversify our economy. At the same time, Deer Isle and Stonington, both of our grocery stores are in Chapter 11, and they're still functioning, but we're worried about that. The nursing home in Deer Isle closed a few months ago, they're emptied of patients and so we're really looking at some major economic upheaval here and we're trying to figure out how we grapple with that but i'd say a lot of it you know connected with climate change displacement of the workforce by people moving in who have deeper pockets so we don't have enough workforce workforce housing anymore the nursing home closes it's it's a it's all connected We have hundreds of units of houses that maybe were um, auxiliary apartments or whole houses that have been purchased by sometimes local people for short-term rental, and they can make more money in a few months in the summer then they would make all year round renting to somebody who's going to work here and so it it we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot in some to some degree people are buying these properties it allows them to stay because they're generating income by renting it but it takes it off the market for workforce and and, and there's no way you know when when it's thousands of dollars a week that somebody local is going to be able to afford that and we have some people who are Adaptable enough that they stay in those houses in the winter. They get a a more affordable winter season rent, and then they live in tents or they bum around, sleep on couches. They find other solutions during that peak summer month. But for the most part, the owners of those buildings board them up in the winter. It's just easier. They don't have to insulate, they don't have to heat, they don't have to worry about those problems. But it takes a lot of housing off the market that used to be there.
1: You just heard from some town managers, Jim Fisher, the town manager for Deer Island, Kathleen Billings for Stonington, and also Bangor, city planning officer, and Krieg. What they have to say is definitely borne out by the numbers. You're listening to Maine, The Way Life Could Be, the Affordable Housing Edition. I'm Amy Brown here with Jim Campbell. Uh, Jim and I have been looking up some of the statistics about affordable housing. There's a lot out there and also a lot of uncertainty because it's unknown exactly what impact people who are being known as COVID refugees or climate refugees might have moving into the state, but it is known what impact they had early on in the pandemic. So some of these numbers are from around that time.
0: Home ownership rates in Maine are relatively high compared to the rest of the country. In Maine, 75.9% of people own their own homes. In the nation as a whole, the number is 65.4%. However, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that those home ownership statistics are much higher in areas outside of major metropolitan areas like Portland. Out in the counties around Maine, the homeownership rate is somewhat higher than in the larger cities. Homeownership percentage in Maine is the highest among those who are over 65 years of age, 75 to 79%, depending on the source that you look at. And that percentage diminishes as you go down in lower age cohorts, although surprisingly, 20 to 25-year-olds have the second highest percentage of home ownership here in Maine.
1: And when we talk about home ownership rates being higher outside of metro areas, that's one area that I think would pay to watch. Because in Portland, for example, places that were always rental apartments are now being sold as apartments, sort of like condos, but they're being sold and they're very, very expensive, far beyond the reach of what an average Mainer could uh, likely afford to pay. So, there is some movement back out into, away from the cities, at least from Portland. In Bangor, there is more rental property being developed. In the in-town area, it's also problematic for low and moderate income people because it's nice older buildings that are being fixed up into expensive apartments, and a lot of people can't afford those apartments, so they have to move to the outlying areas. Bangor and other towns in Maine, other cities in Maine, are also dealing with housing being converted to short-term rentals through Airbnb and Verbo, taking potential long-term housing stock off the market for more financial gain in the short run for the owners.
0: We all know that Maine has a very high percentage of homes that are not occupied year-round. People have purchased vacation homes or summer homes or whatever. And in fact, Maine is the state with the highest percentage of non-year-round occupied homes. And that, according to what we just heard from town managers, for example, is a real problem. And when we have situations like are going on in Bangor and Portland, where more housing that could have been rental housing is being converted into short-term rental housing that is also reducing the amount of housing that's available for year-round occupancy. One of the things that is really interesting about the housing situation in Maine is that Maine has the 24th highest median housing price in the U.S., but Maine ranks 34th highest in household income. And in fact, in the most recent data that we could find, only one county in Maine out of 16 has a situation in which over 50% of the population can afford to buy a median priced house based on the median household income for that county. And that county is a rustic. That's the only one in all of the other 15 counties, less than half of the people based on average median household income, can afford to pay for the average median price of a house.
1: Right. And when you have rentals becoming so expensive that people can't afford rentals either, and somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of the people can't afford to buy a home, depending on what county you're in, that problem's even worse than where are people to go. I found a really interesting point in an article in June in the Bangor Daily News written by David Marino Jr. He reported that in May of this year, a larger percentage of houses in Bangor were purchased by people with out-of-state addresses as compared to Portland and made a note that this was post-sale addresses. So it appears that at least for the time being, these may be houses that people are not going to occupy year-round, although they didn't make that clear.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that is very interesting is over the last two years, the percentage of buyers with zip codes other than those in Maine, out-of-state buyers, has increased to the point where about one in three new sales over the past two years in Maine have been to out-of-state buyers. And people from within Maine living in the more – developed southern areas have been moving north in the states as well, uh, particularly to the coastal areas. So the question, of course, is what are we going to see moving forward and what are the implications of these trends if they were to continue and what solutions might be available to help people who, A, are not from out of state and B, are not perhaps in the higher income brackets, to be able to afford housing in the state.
1: Exactly. As you heard from town planner, uh, Kathleen Billings, that is a concern how to keep people who have lived in town for a while and who have jobs in town, how to get the help to them as opposed to it being opened up to uh, applications for anyone when there's assistance with housing. there was also an interesting article in The Hill back in March that made me question at least whether or not what we're looking at is a trend because so much of the growth of people moving here from other states seems to have been prompted by the pandemic. It happened in 2020, 2021, before the whole uh, interest rate hike. And they reported back in March that, quote, thousands of people have moved to Maine during the COVID-19 pandemic with a recent Atlas Van Lines report ranking it the top choice for domestic movers, they said as of July of 2021, Maine's population increased by about 10,000 people compared to the year before, pushing the state out of a nearly two-decade-long growth slump, and that the growth was caused primarily by migration because deaths in Maine outnumbered births by more than 6,000 between 2020 and 2021. Are we seeing trends? Some people have long thought that we would see more people moving here because the climate crisis as well. Are the trends going to be completely derailed by what's happening in the finance world now? It's very, very hard to predict, It's even for the experts, I think.
0: One of the things we decided that we ought to do is go and talk to somebody who is living this day in and day out and get a realtor who has got their feet on the ground. And in our case, the feet are on the ground in Midcoast, Maine, based in Belfast. Mike Cunning is a realtor with uh, Worth Real Estate based in Belfast, Maine, and has thought a lot about the issues of housing and who can get it and how can it be gotten. And so we talked with him for a while to see what he thought about what people are looking for when they're looking to find a home and to get a sense of how the market has changed recently, particularly in COVID times, what challenges exist now and what challenges he sees coming ahead. When people come to you as a um, real estate professional looking for a house, are there some particular things that they come to you asking about, looking for?
6: Well, we all, when we're shopping for something, we all have a vision of it, and I I tell people to just create the in the vision, right down to the curtains on the windows. You know, like what's the community, what's where do you park, how do you approach there at night. When you come home from the movies, how, what's your route uh, you know that sort of stuff I envision it all and then you start to fill it in and generally it's not available you know because we all have these dreams pie in the sky but we don't get them you know I, I tell people realistically if you have a if you have 10 criteria, you're going to get seven of them you know three you just have to throw away that you, you just don't get those in this time this time this go round.
0: Have you noticed that when people come to you and you and you ask them to do that uh, in in this time, which is different from other times uh, for most of us, are you hearing different things that they different kinds of visions that they have?
6: Well, people fall into categories. You don't want to, but you can kind of pigeonhole people. There are those who want to walk to the co-op the co-op implies an alternative lifestyle a little bit you know kind of more community based you know market gardening or walk to the farmers market it's a convenience based thing that they're thinking about the house itself is is often secondary to that they still have their image and what they want everything they want the antique architecturally significant house that you can walk to the co-op and to the movie theater and to the restaurant That's one group of people quite distinct from that is those who want some acres. They want to move to Maine for a lifestyle. They're typically younger than the people who want to walk to town. They want, you know, seven to ten acres. They want it to be good arable land. Uh, They want a a house that's not going to fall down. They would love it to be an architecturally interesting farmhouse with a barn. Those are the two big ones we see. Otherwise, a, a general broad category is people who are middle, younger, and middle-income, and just want a house. They wanna they wanna live, run with a dog, and um, live a quiet life on a road that isn't too busy. You can kind of just general blurred lines. You can lump people into different categories of what they want. The thing that I find a little bit frustrating, I mean, well, that I've learned after selling real estate or helping people buy and sell real estate for all these years, is that my evaluation is frequently the house doesn't matter. After a few years, they're no longer really looking at the view. They're no longer in love with the architecture that they had, but it's the community that they go for. And, oh, my neighbors are wonderful. And, oh, at Christmas, we do this. And, uh, you know, the kids down the block are, are the best. So the, the richness in life comes from community. So that's an, an awareness that happens to people over time after, as you move here, especially since the, pandemic happened people are moving here who don't have as strong a sense of community because i think the community is the key thing it's the it's it's what it's all about and we could live in a shoebox if you had beloved people around you so i try to tell people to really focus on their community who's going to help you with daycare who picks up your trash who mows your lawn the people that you go play cards with. That's, to me, the richness in life, and that's what you ought to focus on first.
0: You've mentioned COVID now. What have you noticed, if anything, that is different these days in terms of real estate and the people looking for real estate since uh, COVID kind of struck us?
6: Going back even a little bit further to the, the Great Recession, someone said there's a mountain of money on the sidelines that isn't you know it was hidden you know people had pulled it out so it was sitting there and then covid kind of triggered that some of that people realized oh you don't get to go to the restaurants in manhattan for that period of time and oh you're not going into the office so you don't need to be you don't need to live in white plains or you don't need to live in brooklyn some of the real attributes of of those areas were lessened by covid so a lot moved here they don't have as strong a sense of community as we who have been here a long time do it was more focused on the house it was like oh where's the house i want to look on i want to be on the water or i want the i want the i wants and there was a mountain of money that arrived here. Um, and we were shocked at the amount of money that was coming. And then the another takeaway is that Zoom works. People can work remotely. So it has changed the nature of, of our towns.
0: So you said that you know people who lived in Manhattan, they can't go to the restaurants quite as much anymore. So some of the things that were attractive where they lived were not quite so attractive during COVID time. And a lot of people came here. Why Why did they say they were coming here?
6: Well, it's, Maine has been put up on a pedestal. It's this, uh, oh, it's this a uh, pristine place with clean water and clean air. And, you know, it, it, as I sell real estate, um, it probably averages once a year or once every, twice a year. Someone will just take me aside and say, you don't know what you have here, do you? They're referring to the fact that, you know, our kids can be latchkey kids and walk home from school. Or many people don't lock their doors. In the good old days, we all left our keys in the car.
0: You mentioned that, you know, this pile of money had been sitting around and and that a lot of people decided, wait a minute, this might be a good time to use that. And so decided that they would come to Maine. Has your experience been that the number of people who are buying places in Maine, who have come from outside of Maine, has increased in a significant way over the last two or three years?
6: i say yes there was a pretty strong influx from outside the state zip codes or or more urban areas there's there's people moving up from portland as things got pricey in portland and you know and they they looked at upstate and or down east and they said oh that the, the quality of life is is what they wanted so people were coming here for for quality of life with more equity than than you and i have my niece in Brooklyn you know they spend a lot of money for for housing and that dollar goes twice as far here and so they come here and qualify for something pretty nice and they uh, have leftover funds in a in a pandemic time when you can't go out to to eat as much that's a real that was a real asset for them
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned people moving from the Portland area, for example, up into less populated areas. Are they saying that they're looking for something that's less expensive, or are they looking for uh, a different way of life, as you put it?
6: I think it's a different way of life. It's kind of a, a new awareness, I guess, for people of what, what are the important things in life when, we, when we're all sequestered that period of time, you know, you say, hmm, going for walks, getting into the great outdoors.
0: The people who are coming from other places, for example, out of state, you have mentioned, for example, that people are coming uh, because of changes to the way they have to live because of COVID, for example. Suppose COVID goes away, uh, which we all hope it will at some point. Do you think those people are going to move back to wherever they came from?
6: There's always some sort of, you know, buyers remorse. There's that's a thing. There'll be some, but as I said before, there is a realization that Zoom now works. Zoom does work. So maybe they move here and they they go to Manhattan for 5 days a month and take care of business and get done. I mean, I know people who are, you know, going to Cleveland, you know, once a month. You know, and they get to go sailing and they wear their shorts all the time when they're here. And so it's like, oh, that's a pretty nice lifestyle.
0: The idea that people came with a lot more equity than you or I probably have. And there's been lots and lots of reports of housing prices skyrocketing in Maine and uh, getting to be out of the reach of a lot of people who would otherwise have tried to buy them not coming from Portland necessarily, but just coming from the next county or the next town. Is it your observation that people have, who might want to buy a house have been priced out of it?
6: For sure. You know, you think of the first-time home buyers. They're in a very competitive situation, and they have several aspects of the process stacked against them. When you go into an offer situation, offering on a house without financing – or with less financing is certainly stronger. And if you are a seller, you look at two offers. If you don't know the personalities involved, you'll look at something and you'll say, I'll, I'll take this stronger offer. And it might not be the dollar, the, the bottom line might be the same. It's just the surety that it'll close. So yeah, people are getting priced out. The market is more aggressive, has been more aggressive. It's changing rapidly right now due to interest rates. And inventory is has been picked over. First time home buyers, it's a harder, it's a much harder thing, much more frustrating. Um, we, I know people who've made a dozens of offers on houses and not succeeded. That's
0: interesting that you say inventory has been picked over. So the suggestion that you're making is that a lot of people who were going to sell have sold, and so there's not that many options available at this point.
6: Yeah, I think we all watched it, and everyone, you know, watched the crest of a wave coming, and said, "If you're going to sell, if you had a place, I tell people, if you have, a, if you have a place to go, and a, the next move on the checkerboard lined up, yeah, take the higher equity out of your house now and move on to the next." But that's only if you have somewhere to go. The rental market is very tight too, so. If you put your house on the market and don't, there's a few people who do that and don't have a place to go, you go, what are you going to do? The closing date and, you know, you're out on the street, you're
0: homeless. In Maine in general, Maine has um, the highest percentage of home ownership in the country, actually. And for people who are over 65, it's even higher, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of people over 65 own their own homes. Have you noticed that people who have been in homes a long time have decided to sell in this time because of the high prices?
6: No, it's just generally life forces that will bring people to sell. We all live and we die and we get sick or our children get sick who live in Omaha. We will move out you know, to take care of life events, divorces happen. I don't see so many people just trying to capitalize on the equity in their home.
0: You mentioned earlier that a lot of people have been priced out of the market. Uh, what, what are those folks doing? Have you had opportunities to talk to people in that situation?
6: Yeah, it's a geographic shift that's happening, the nature of the towns are changing broadly lumped its kind of gentrification things are becoming more affluent The carpenters can't keep up you know they're they're all booked out years ahead because people are showing up and saying oh let's take this house and fix the basement and put the rec room on and i want a first floor bedroom and here's let's do the bathroom over and that keeps all the carpenters busy so those who are not able to do that don't don't have the funds for that are looking at houses that are geographically remote from the centers, which are the, the hotspots right now. You know, the, the hotspots in Maine are Booth Bay, Camden, Bar Harbor, Belfast. The The people who can't afford to buy in those markets are geographically moving away from them. So you're moving inland more to central Maine. The carpenter who lived in town maybe now lives you know six miles out if you're going to solve this kind of disparity i think that you know there's a couple of issues come up right away one is how do you develop the interiors of of our counties not just the coastline so that it's got a high quality of life internet communication transportation i think those are the issues that go i don't think you can change the market you you can't change the market that they are they're going to be desirable, the millionaires elsewhere or the millionaires period are going to be coming here and pricing out the the people who store clerks mm-hmm. and retail.
0: You mentioned internet. We've been hearing lots and lots about that, and you know there are all kinds of efforts in different parts of the state to include internet access. But you also mentioned transportation. Say more about that.
6: You know, cars, one of the biggest expenses, especially with the gas prices right now. There's a transformation happening. And I think that, you know, it's going to take 20 years, but there's a transformation from the internal combustion engine, petroleum-powered internal combustion engine. What does that look like? And is that an opportunity for community-based transportation? Can you commute to work? I think of public transportation. Can you have electric shuttles that so if you're working at a restaurant, you can get to work in the afternoon and home in the evening without necessarily an individual car. I kind of celebrate that and look for it. And maybe I don't know if it, how realistic that is, how fast it'll change.
0: Well it's an interesting point because if people who are working in the restaurants can't afford to live in Camden or whatever it is anymore uh, they have to they have to live some distance away and then they have to be able to get to work this is of course for years this is no new problem in Bar Harbor uh, over that way i mean they've the little two lane bridge <laughs> that goes from Ellsworth over you know is pretty crowded in the morning But it's it's an interesting point, because in a certain way, it seems to me what you're suggesting is the fact that people with more wherewithal are coming to Belfast or Camden or Bar Harbor, wherever it is, that they find desirable. And one of the reasons they find it desirable is because there are restaurants to go to and theaters and whatever there are, but there needs to be people to work in them, and Pretty much you can drive down the street anywhere and see a now hiring sign. That's for sure these days. But your observation that that people who are probably working in the hardware store or wherever, less likely, unless they've been here a long time, to be living in what you refer to as hot spots. And so transportation then becomes an increasing issue over time, or at least that seems to me what you're
6: I think the market will, will provide the housing. So there will be houses, you know, eight miles out, ten miles out. There'll be houses and condos and, and apartments built. I think the, the market will provide those. The trick is to somehow make it easy for middle-class folks to travel to the hotspots and work in the restaurants or or run the store your housing costs are 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 priced against someone who's got a million bucks then you're you're just not going to win so i think that that transportation is in my mind kind of the big one carpenters and the the developers will say they'll see a need for the for those houses and they will i think it'll get built
0: have you uh, run into people coming in looking for housing around here who say they're coming not so much because of COVID, perhaps, but that they're coming from other places because of the change in the climate where they're living.
6: Yeah, I've had some folks from California for two reasons. One was hot and dry, fires. It's like, oh, my then. And the other was I was surprised at this. They said, you know, you go into the store and it was the the service. The people were so unfriendly. They were just tired of disrespect i was surprised at that and you look at it and we're all around here we're all fairly nice to each other we chuckle our office is right downtown and we chuckle in the spring when you start to hear horns honking is when people from away are here because it's very rare that someone will have an irritated horn honk in the winter
0: interesting observation Looking ahead, which is one of the things we're trying to do in this program, and uh this is not nobody's putting any money down on this, so you're not under any pressure, we've got a housing shortage and particularly for people who do not have the means of somebody who just sold a house in Westchester, Connecticut or wherever. You mentioned that you think that the market will take care of the housing. Is it gonna take care of it for everybody?
6: No. No, it's not. That's a hard, hard thing to do, is to legislate a program that will do that. I would start by providing incentives for the market to allow builders to build the housing that's needed in the, in the towns, the, the surrounding towns. A lot of them are great towns, and I think that those convenience stores and the, the, the little the little markets in the small towns will start to thrive as well because the people are wonderful, and they still, you go in, and it's, just, it's a little slice of, of, of Maine that hasn't been gentrified.
0: From somebody who's kind of on the front lines of this situation of looking at real estate every day, looking at people looking for places to live every day, as you have expressed, a lot of people have the wherewithal in the present market, for sure, to get a place of their own. And one of the spinoffs of that, as you have said, is that rental costs are pretty significant too. And there aren't that many places to rent. I mean, if you pick up one of the local papers and look for houses for rent, there might be one or two. And if you're looking for an apartment, Maybe there's three or four.
6: In Belfast, there's a there's a f- a few of those projects. There's two on White Street, and there's there's uh, another one that's going to be kind of mixed up on uh, Congress Street. There's going to be an increase, and I think that the town councils uh, up and down the coast are aware of, of this. I, I hope they are, and can do what they can with the available spaces inside their towns to provide additional housing clean and, and safe. I don't think that's going to do all of it. You have, to, you have to do all of it. You have to do everything. So you have to start with the existing spaces you have, allow increased density, or encourage or subsidize increased density. But I know of a couple of developers who are seeing this and are right now building apartment units. I know a contractor who has actually slowed down his the amount of work he will do for other people Individuals coming from away, because he's building his own projects, and he says in five years that he wants to just be managing his own projects, his own um, apartments, which is great. But you also need to somehow incentivize people to have single-family detached, because that's what kind of a lot of people, most people, want is single-family detached homes. So you have to somehow encourage that as well. Inland, all of this comes at the expense of conserved land that's why people move here it's beautiful so you know it's it's a dance that has to be thought of and dealt with
0: one of the things that we're reading about not just here in Maine but in uh, around the country in terms of rentals for example is that there are now i guess there always have been but there seem to be more of them now uh, large deep-pocketed companies just going around and buying up properties that come on the market, which they are going to rent. They're, going to, they're doing it for rental properties. And so I don't know how common that is in Maine, but it certainly is a different approach. So that, that home ownership in areas where a lot of that is going on is going to go down in the sense of people living and owning a home. Um, have Have you seen much of that in maine
6: i personally haven't i've heard those uh, same things but i know of of a few individuals that have you know perhaps an inheritance or and so have bought another piece of property or two and are renting those it's a debate that the towns or that as locales we need to have if you own a home in a in one of these hot spots are you allowed by local ordinances to rent out spaces in that house? How many units can you have in your house? I can see that it's great to, to, to do that, to provide a revenue stream, which will allow perhaps older folks to stay, not be taxed out of a, of a town, to stay, stay in their homes, uh, age in place. That's wonderful. But then you also have people who will, as you said, buying it as an investment. That'll just have to be thrashed out. It just has to be negotiated town by town or or locale by locale. It's zoning rules. And those can change.
0: I saw a line in the paper the other day that last year derived $95 million just from Airbnb rentals, for example. That's a lot of money. Is that something that you have noticed affecting the ability of people to rent or buy houses?
6: Yes, some of the apartments that would otherwise be rented are now on short-term Airbnb kind of things. So yeah, that is increasing the pressure, but that's sort of tourism. It's increasing tourism that drives the otherwise long-term tenants away because you can charge more. It's just a revenue thing. It's a double-edged sword. The, the owners of the properties have increased revenue from these short term rentals, which for some people allows them to stay in their home it's a it's 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 a business to the extent that it drives the lower income folks away. I don't want that either it's a, it's a it's a tough one.
0: People who are buying houses from out of state who have that little pile of money left over from the recession or whenever have you noticed that they're buying those houses to live in year-round. Maine has the highest percentage of houses not lived in year-round in the country. Is that changing here in, in the sense of the people who are buying these houses, they, are, they intend to be in them year-round, or is it more people buying a summer place?
6: It hasn't changed too much. I think that there's still a lot of people buying a summer place, and these are you know, the super hot spots In the winter, there's a lot of dark streets, a lot of dark houses. Um, I've been in conversations about how you can legislate around that. Do there need to be occupancy requirements prior to rentals? There's a whole array, a spectrum of ordinances and and rules and regulations you can put in place. The towns need to think, think through that. I don't, I like occupancy. I think our towns are richer when you know, the hardware store stays open in February because people are down buying light bulbs or screws. I like occupancy. I, I, I want that to happen. But it, it limits the rights of those investors who come from away who say, I just want to have the summertime uh, either occupancy or if they want to rent it out. I'm just, I'm not clear, Jim, on what the answer is, but I, it's, it's it's a hot debate and it needs to happen. Anything
0: that we haven't spoken about that you think is interesting about housing or what you see coming in relation to housing or the ability of people to be in a house, let's put it that way, that we haven't spoken about that you think is interesting or important.
6: If I could generalize, one characteristic of these folks who are moving in from away, is that they want it all turnkey. They want it all done. The idea of a main basement is anathema to them. You know, it, the, the joke I would say is that it doesn't need to be turnkey. Uh, I don't mind hiring a locksmith to uh, <laughs> to come change the locks. And whereas we've all been living with this dilapidated housing stock, dilapidated or or well loved or whatever the phrase is and that's uh, some of the beauty of of what we have here so it's it's changing
0: that was mike cunning of worth real estate in belfast maine reflecting on his experience in the midcoast area an experience which probably applies to a lot of areas in maine about what people are looking for in a home how hard it is to find one and what the market may do in the future.
1: You're listening to Maine, The Way Life Could Be, the affordable housing edition here on WERUFM, I'm Amy Brown here with co-host Jim Campbell.
0: Based upon what we've been able to ascertain thus far, the numbers that we've looked at and so forth, the city planners that we have listened to and town managers, we don't really know what's going to happen going forward. But we do know that this is a real issue and something that, We're going to have to pay attention to. The state has tried to make some accommodation to help people who are in their homes already, and as as well as some who are trying to uh, buy a new home. So, Maine State Housing, for example, has some programs for first time home buyers. And there was a recent bill in the legislature that could affect not only how much individuals pay, but how much towns can collect in tax.
1: Right, this is a little bit controversial. This was passed without the governor's signature earlier last month, early July, and it is set to go into effect on August 8th. This piece of legislation was passed sort of quietly and without the governor's signature, and now there's some controversy around it. But basically, what it would do, and if you want to look it up on the state's website, it was LD 290, is it would allow Maine residents age 65 or older to freeze their property taxes if they had been receiving the homestead exemption for at least 10 years. And if their property valuations increase, the state is at least theoretically supposed to pay the municipality the difference between their current amount and the increase with some funds from the American Rescue Plan. But There has been reaction against it and a lot of details that
0: are yet to be worked out. A number of municipalities have objected, saying that, A, it's going to increase the amount of paperwork and administration that they have to do, number one, and number two, that in the opinion of uh, a number of municipal officers, the amount of money that the legislature has allocated to this plan is not going to be sufficient to reimburse all of the towns for all of the losses that they will take in property taxes. So it remains to be seen how this actually works out in practice over time. But the idea is to assist people in staying in their houses, to speak to the very issue that Kathleen Billings spoke about earlier today, how this is going to work out we don't know.
1: And one of the issues with it is there's no means testing for it. So very wealthy people over 65 could do the same as someone who had less ability to pay. And so there's a lot of, it looks like a lot of kinks to be worked out in this one still.
0: But at least it is an effort and to try to address something that is a real problem. So if we had to sum up in a sentence, perhaps we might say something like, affordable housing is a real serious issue in maine it has become a more serious issue over the last two years in the covid times it may be very well that uh, as climate change becomes more and more an issue in the country that there will be more and more people trying to move to maine as a somewhat better place to be than the place that they are now and that may very well make the situation even more challenging. So while we can identify the problem, we unfortunately can't identify the solution just yet.
1: Right, and when we talk about affordable housing, we need to talk about who is trying to buy the housing. Is there going to be affordable housing for people who make wages in Maine? Or is Maine housing only going to be affordable to people who have jobs elsewhere?
0: We turn now to the next issue that we're going to take a look at on Maine The Way Life Could Be in our September program, which will air on September 6th at 4 p.m. And we're going to be looking at another issue that has been with us throughout this entire series, starting the first time that we ask people to suggest topics. And that topic, going along with affordable housing, is accessible, and affordable health care.
1: We'll talk more about affordable health care next time on Maine, The Way Life Could Be. We may also be talking a little bit about jobs and the labor market here in Maine, all of which are tied into what we were talking about today, affordable housing, because if you can't afford to live there, are you going to work there?
0: So what do you think are the biggest concerns and opportunities relating to accessible and affordable health care, and perhaps to the labor market here in Maine in your lifetime, please go to www.weru.org and record a brief message to let us know right there on the main page, or send us an email at thewaylifecouldbe@weru.org. at We might use your comments on the air, so be sure to include your name and town if you'd like us to use it.
1: And that program will air on Tuesday, September 6th at 4 p.m. So get your comments and questions to us before then. And that's it for today's program. Maine, The Way Life Could Be is made possible in part by a grant from the Maine Arts Commission. We thank them for their generosity.
0: We're Jim Campbell and Amy Brown. Thanks for listening. And keep it tuned here to WERU FM 89.9 Blue Hill, streaming at weru.org and on the WERU smartphone app.